Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. You can find out more about Sean White at his links page at solarshawn.com. Ladies and gentlemen, on this version of Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast, I am going to have a little talk with my good friend Bill Brooks. Bill Brooks has done everything in solar since they invented the sun. Bill and I teach a lot of classes together. We've been teaching NEC workshops together for about a decade. We teach NEC workshops at Solar Power International. We teach them at InterSolar and other places, and we do other types of work together. We're good friends, and you are going to enjoy having him be part of my HeatSpring classes if you're a HeatSpring student. Or otherwise, just listen to this podcast because many of you have taken Bill's classes and it's just interesting to know a little bit about his background as I asked him a few questions and got him going. Let's get going. We did some recordings and it's kind of funny how this all came together is Bill and I own a sailboat together and we made out part of the deal where Bill would give me some material for my online classes at HeatSpring that I can also use right here on my podcast in exchange for me taking care of some of the boat responsibilities. So let's sail away with Bill Brooks on HeatSpring. And this is gonna go on and on, and we're gonna get more and more Bill material up here as time goes on. Stay tuned and sit on the edges of your seats and get ready for the very famous Bill Brooks. Tell us about your exciting life and how many years in the solar industry? 31. 31 years. And, and what was it like 31 years ago? 31 years ago, actually maybe it's close to 32 because it'd be March of 1988 when I took my first class down at the Florida Solar Energy Center with Jim Dunlop and Jerry Ventry. And um, back then, uh, solar panels were not a very common thing. Uh, even PV modules were not very common. So... But um, that was really one of the only places in the country you could take a class. There, Mark Morose was also teaching at uh, Arco Solar, uh, which was in the process of getting bought by Siemens Solar at the time. But um, yeah, very few people were doing any training, and so that was, uh, and that was because there was very little activity. So uh, grid-connected systems were very uncommon. And there was only a few places that had them, and certainly the Florida Solar Energy Center was one of a few places that had uh, grid-tied PV. Um, I was working on trying to get uh, a grid-tied PV system done at my university. I was at NC State University as part of my graduate program, and uh, that kind of, even though we did end up using that equipment, um, using it for my graduate program never worked out. And so, and it was because of the utility company at that time, um, who we were actually getting the system donated from the utility, uh, because they were done with, they were done with it. The utility company didn't want to interconnect it because they were making up the excuse that they didn't know enough about it. It was a very small system, less than four kilowatts, and um, their their concerns were clearly not technical in nature, even though they were trying to couch them as technical. And so that's my career was started based on being pissed off at the utility company for <laughs> uh, making up reasons to not do solar, and so. 
at that point, I decided that I would make this a career. I was interested in it. I thought it was uh, amazing and uh, that I was going to see if I could cram this down the utility's throat over time. And so the first 10 years of my career from 88 to 98 was I spent a lot of time on interconnection rules and things like that. And then uh, after those 10 years moved to California in March of 98, of 88, 98, sorry, lose these decades. March of 1998, California started their uh, rebate program. They had already instituted uh, net metering in 96, but very few takers because it was still very expensive. And then the rebate program started. We started, they thought they were going to get a flood of orders um, and that it was going to be crazy. And it wasn't. It was a trickle. And there's a lot of history behind that. And one of the interesting things is that the original concept for California, the California program was to have a $3 watt rebate and low interest financing. So they were going to work together. And at the last minute, um, somebody at the California Energy Commission decided that the low interest financing was going to be too difficult or wasn't really necessary or whatever. And they got rid of it. And that was half the program. And so it was also half the incentive. And uh, so then they were wondering why uh, PV didn't take off when they had all these, this, these rebates. And it was because they deleted half of the incentive program. And so later they had to increase the incentive to 450 a watt. And that started things moving. And uh, uh, eventually things got going. And then they kept adding money to the pot and things like that. But um, that was the early days of the California program. Uh, my house here in Vacaville, um, my original house, which I still own, and my son rents it right now, uh, was the 50th uh, system in, uh, in the rebate program. I got, I got the 50th rebate card. And, um, I don't see that hanging on the wall anymore. Yeah, I know. I should, I should, I should try to find that somewhere. But um, anyway, um, that system has, is still operating today. And uh, in fact, something I didn't... Uh, didn't realize is that my net metering um, tariff that I had was not a in perpetuity tariff. It was a 20-year tariff, and that 20-year tariff actually expired a year ago. So uh, now we're on to the new school, uh, what I would consider punitive utility rate structures that. Uh, where the utility is trying to discourage people from doing solar because they're and they're going to charge you more for electricity than they charge anyone else and so they're thinking that that's going to make up for the damage that pv is doing to their their system and of course i say damage in quotes because um we've uh, done a lot to help the the uh system in California and nobody really knows how much but it's a pretty substantial uh, impact and improvement on the on the state of California just from the standpoint of transmission and distribution um, benefits and so but the utility can uh, basically claim that none of that exists which they are doing right now and and basically come up with these not so good rate structures but uh, 
So um, I've now put batteries on on that house, and we'll have to end up uh, over the winter time. It's really not that needed because the rate structure is pretty flat. But as soon as the summertime rate structure kicks in, we'll start to cycle that battery. And the plan is actually to take um, take the house off the grid for certain times of the day, um, and uh, use so this, the use the battery. So this is like a 1998 system. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> How are you throwing a battery on there? So, um, well, there's a lot of details that we can't publish on the, on oh, the okay, air yeah. here. So, uh, but the original system was a battery-based system. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so, huh. um, so I'm I'm going to say that it's grandfathered in mm-hmm. because those systems were fully allowed by the utility, and there were thousands of them in the state of California, and no one ever complained about whether. The electrons that happened in those systems came from solar or not, and that's a, that's a new invention in California. For those of you who are not in California, um, the California utilities have some interesting rules, and uh, they're very concerned that somehow a a brown electron will find its way back onto the grid in a net metering situation, and so they've adopted all these rules that to try to prevent people from using uh, energy storage in a net metered system. So when you say like a brown electron, you mean like fossil fuels going into your battery? Right, so, exactly. Like like you're hooking it up to your generators? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, uh, and, and this is something we, we may not be able to do on the air, but if you're a Monty Python fan, it is almost identical to every sperm is sacred. So um, if, you've, uh, if you haven't seen uh, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, then you're gonna have to go watch it. And uh, that is one of, will be one of your new th- favorite theme songs. But uh, that's an assignment. That's an assignment right there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of like every electron is sacred, every sperm is sacred in net metering, and uh, and it's it's just silliness. But uh, they've been effective in, in using that ploy to uh, discourage folks in net metering situations, or actually. Um, to try to put a lot of extra um, regulations on battery-based systems, because if you think about it, in California, the reason we're talking about this is there's a three to seven and a four to eight p.m. Uh, peak time in the summertime, and uh, if if you know anything about the sun, uh, four to eight p.m. is not the time of day where the sun is really doing a great job. It, it's more in the, you know. Nine to th- nine to three is the is kind of the the solar window. Well, unless you're in Western China where they stay on Beijing time. That's right. I guess that would be good. good Not too many people are probably taking this class in the Gobi Desert. But uh, um, so anyway, <laughs> so this is uh, so that time frame is clearly designed to uh, be a disincentive to people with solar for sure. Um, and then in order to rectify that, we need to then put in batteries and the batteries we're, what we're doing is we're storing electrons in the morning because the electrons in the afternoon are worth, uh, upwards of three times as much as the morning electrons. And so if we store the electrons in the morning in the battery, then we can use them in the afternoon. And, um, 
And the utility is okay with that concept, but they want to put a bunch of regulations on how that all gets done. And then they want, they want to have a say in, in making sure it all is happening right. And fortunately, they're, they're, as we get into um, later in this process, we'll be talking about power control systems. And actually, power control systems are, in fact, uh, the way that we are proving that the electrons come from solar because the power... Uh, the power system controller can tell you exactly how many electrons came from uh, the PV system and make sure that no more than those electrons ever make it back out onto the grid. And well, that's really what they want. So with the power control systems, are the utilities going to be keeping an eye on what's happening, like invading your software? Um, yeah, they, whether they're invading your sovereignty, I don't know about that, but the... Um, um, there will be settings, just like we have for grid support settings uh, in, in inverters for uh, backup, uh, for, for power outages or when the, when the utility voltage goes low and things like that. So we have all these grid support requirements in California, which are now finding their way around the country. Uh, and those are all covered in the UL standards. Uh, in the same way, we'll have power control uh, features that will be set uh, at the factory that are that um, the stipulations on how that stuff works will be under the governance of the Public Utilities Commission and so they says well you're in a California um, solar net metering storage application this software proves that none of the electrons come from you know off-peak power and the one caveat that we're that 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 is being tossed out there is uh, in California we've had these uh, public uh, what do they call it uh, public safety power shutdown um, situations where they're shutting down the power system in high wind conditions in the summertime uh, to help prevent wildfires and during those activities it's been proposed and it, I think it's probably going to pass that. Um, you could override uh, the um, the charging from solar uh, during those times in preparation for an outage. So the utility is going to give you usually a day or two uh, advance notice that they're getting ready to possibly shut off the power in your area if the wind picks up to a certain point. And so you would be allowed to, if you wanted to, um, actually charge your battery to full charge from the grid uh, only in those times. I think it's, it's a little bit... Um, with those grid brown electrons. With those grid brown electrons. And then, you know, now it's like green and brown makes brown. I don't mm -hmm. know. And if you're next to a solar farm, those brown electrons might be green. They could be green already. So, you know, um, you know kind of similar to uh, the lines on the on the uh, football field for first down you know the guy does those things um who made a lot of money still makes a lot of money um maybe we could have some kind of a simulation program that ac could actually show us the green and the brown in our system that would be kind of cool yeah just flush the brown that's flush the brown saying. yeah put it into the bay or something yeah. um <laughs> hey i bet you didn't guess i was going to end the podcast with that sound effect well Thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast featuring Bill Brooks.
Thank you for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. You can find out more about Sean White at his links page at solarshawn.com. Thanks for listening. Woo! Thank you.